A question on a hot button issue. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast sponsored by Compassion International. I'm already going to cancel it. Whatever it is, I'm canceling it. You're canceled. Can- cancel culture is what you're into, huh, Rochelle? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not into it. That's a remark on today's cancel culture. Uh, it's You're tempted to, though, because this is what Robin <laughs> says. How do you handle friends and family that post on social media and they're posting mean-spirited and hateful things and then a post later, all in the same day, potentially, a post about going to church and being a Christian. <laughs> and you're like, okay, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, I stand by my first comment. Yeah. Uh, cancel those people. Oh, my goodness. Uh, block those people. No, don't do that. Yeah. Um, do you want to take a stab at this? Sure. I mean, by the way, this is the podcast where we go through what we're going through in our, our quiet times. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an out loud quiet time. So we'll get to what Rochelle's going through. We'll get to what I'm going through. But yeah. this is just a great question by Robin we wanted to start with. And I thank you, Robin. Th- by the thank way. you indeed, Robin. Thank you for listening. And if you have a question, please feel free in the comment section to not only tell us that we have a five star yes. rating. Amen and amen. But, but also, if you'd like, ask a question. We'd love to give it a go. Yeah. I mean, this is just, we're just talking. We're by no means experts. We're your family. We're your community. There are some people in my family even, and of course, you know, politics is a, is a big thing that can can come out in people. Oh, uh, yes. There's somebody in particular that I have in mind that can be, and not even just in like what they post, but even her comments on on our stuff sometimes. Oh yeah. And you could you can kind of see. I think there's two things that we need to do. One is how close are you to this person? Because you definitely there is just not worth getting into an argument with a stranger. Um, and then a little bit like we talked about last week. Don't hold a non-believer with the same standard that you do a believer. And that's not to be disrespectful, but I'll even say it like this. Could you imagine, Rochelle, my son is almost seven months old, if I was like, Rochelle, get a load of this. Ezra was eating yesterday. He didn't even use a fork, okay? He got food everywhere. Can you believe that? (laughs) And how ridiculous I sound. But when we try to treat an unbelieving world like they should have the spirit of God in them, and we wish they did, but but like their their actions should be based on that when they don't have God in the first place. I don't know why we do that. And then if they are a true believer and you're close enough to them, I think you talk to them about it. I, I think we've hit it. We, we, we've hit a point here with social media. It's, we've had a, a, a good run of 10, 15, 20 years where at first we're like, well, is this a big deal? Well, what will this turn into? Well, we started to see actual scientific results of, of online bullying, of people being affected, of sure. families not talking to each other anymore. And so I think we got to, as believers, step up and go, if I know this person well enough that they're in my circle and they are a believer, they say they are, I need to confront them in a loving, Christ-like way. Why are you so mean in one side of your mouth and then say you're a Christian in the other? And you may not feel that leading by the Holy Spirit, and that doesn't necessarily make you passive. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned if this is somebody that, you know, I think you probably have a better shot in speaking into something and and uh, actually having some sort of impact on their thought process. True. Because more than likely, because you're closer to that person, you love that person, you have a relationship with that person, you're going to be more sensitive. You know their story as to where this is all coming from. Uh, but then there's that relative, that distant relative who is never going to change no matter what you say. And uh, listen, if 
I would absolutely 100% you need to pray about it. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Talk about it with your spouse and say, this is really bothering me. Have wise people speak into it because there is wisdom and counsel, says the scripture. Um, but also to know that God <laughs> has, can, and continues and will use people of all shapes and sizes. Yeah. I'm talking uh, like religion wise and, and everything because I, I look at Balaam is a great example. This is a prophet. This is a guy who talks to God. But he's also involved in a culture that's got more than one God. So there's a lot of sketchiness there in the Old Testament. You're kind of reading through the story of Balaam. And you're like, well, was he with, with our God or was he with a bunch of other gods? Or mm. how's that going? And he wasn't the nicest guy. And in fact, later in the scripture, we find that he was, um, the, the Lord actually took him out at one point. <laughs> it's like, all right, he was kind of clumped together with a bunch of, of other people. And according to scripture in any way, um, he was no more. Uh, whether that was by God's specific design because he had it in for Balaam or not. I don't know. It's uh, left up to maybe interpretation, but God can use anyone. Yeah. So that's the point. It's like you look at the media feed, you see the ugly post, but then right below it, there's this incredible post with a flower, a kitten and a scripture. Hey, you know what? The Lord can use that. I'm not going to deny that, uh, but I, I don't necessarily want to read that feed. Um, so if you know that it's also going to trigger you, I would encourage you to maybe, I was joking about it earlier, but if you need to block somebody because it really is triggering you, um, maybe that's what you need to do for at least a piece of time. Um, unless of course you're led to come confront them and, and certainly folks like that, family, friends, Maybe the Lord's allowed that in your sight of vision so that you can be in prayer for them, you know? And I think the unfollow button is something that I've really um, not enjoyed, but something that I've fallen back on because I don't think we got to make it some big thing. I'm sorry, but I have no choice but to block you. Like, no, I'll see him here and there anyway in person, potentially. Maybe they live somewhere else, but uh, then I'll unfollow them and not just see their stuff. And if I've made, you know, kind of that, that point of like, Hey, um, if I am close enough to them, uh, to I've made my point, and they've said they're not going to change. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean that's all all what I can do, and then and then there's uh, unfollowing them, and then just loving them in person when you see them. And I I kind of am interested in in what it looks like. You know, John Cooper was on a couple of weeks ago, the lead singer of Skillet, saying if it's something like extremely unbiblical that they're doing. What he's done is is even in person disassociated himself from them and say yeah. it was an affair situation that it was his friend. And he said, listen, I, I'm not going to hang out with you until you repent and, and go back. So, it, I mean, it really just depends on the situation. If they're posting like political memes that you don't agree with, but they're not even mean, then it's like, oh, well, I guess just unfollow him and then don't even say anything. But it, it's all situational. You know? I think we can, without a doubt, say we've told you all the things that you might do. Without a doubt, what you should not do is the knee-jerk response. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Don't react. Yeah. Don't react. Pray about your response. Well, I know, Rochelle, you're going through the Old Testament. You're you're reading through the, the Bible once again. Yes. So you'll be in the Old Testament till October. That's basically uh. true. <laughs> and in fact, I, I after talking about Balaam, I was like, I don't want to give misinformation. The guy, obviously, being a prophet, that means you have a you have a relationship with God. God's talking to you, and then he uses you to talk to other people. That is what defines prophet. 
basically. And uh, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I got it right. God wasn't happy with Balaam. There were a lot of events. Um, it, it, having said all of that, let's move on. Uh, he will come later. <laughs> you are Moses. way early right now. We're in the beginning. This is after creation. And what an incredible thing to even look at creation and how God made the world and what he stated was good. And then he created humans and they were very good. They were the only thing he said was very good. And he breathed life into us. And then we broke off that incredible relationship because we chose to be our quote own God. We decided we want to know what's good and evil before God alone defined what was good and evil. But then we wanted the knowledge for ourselves. That's why they ate from the tree. And Ever since then, it's been spiraling downward. <laughs> it's been a loop-de-loop after another, all the way down to Noah. Yeah. And Noah's story is quite incredible. He was not a perfect being himself, but he pleased God. He loved God. He had a relationship with God, which was what God wanted from the very beginning, a relationship with his creation, because we were his ambassadors. We were made in his image. And it was our responsibility to kind of take care of this planet. Okay, you're like mini-me's on the planet, and it's going to be amazing. I uh, can't wait, and so let's do this. And then we broke it off. So, yeah. Um, and I don't know why I'm laughing. It's horrible. It's the very reason why Jesus had to come and make things right. But Noah, the flood, you know the story, and just he and his family were the ones that were saved. And everybody descended from these three family members, from Ham, Shem, Japheth, we're specifically following the story of Abraham throughout Genesis. It's like been kind of divided into two parts. I've been following along the reading plan with the Bible project, which has been very helpful if you're ever looking for, huh, I wonder what scripture means when it says dot, dot, dot. They have very trained professionals, like doctors, people who know their stuff, even in Hebrew culture and in the different languages that are used in by in the Bible. Um, to help us understand the symbolism even. Uh, but it's the first part is creation and the fall of man and man's struggle against God, even like with the Tower of Babel. You remember that story? Yeah, that didn't end well. No. <laughs> and I never really heard about it put this way, but like the brick was like the newfangled gidget, like, ga or excuse me, gadget. It was like, oh my word. What will we do with this incredible creation? You think about what's impressive today would be technology. Right. That was the high tech of their day. The Ladies brick. and gentlemen, try the all new brick. That's wow. right, folks. Yeah. You can stack them. You can stack them. You can. You can. <laughs> anyway, so they they did. They stacked them as high as they could go and trying to reach God, trying to outdo God once again. Focus being on look at what we have. Look at our technology, and um, the Lord allowed confusion, and people scattered, and that's how different languages appeared on the earth. Uh, Abraham. His story is quite impressive to follow, but probably one of the scariest parts of scripture is, is his relationship with Isaac. And you know where I'm going with this. This is, a, this is a big one. This is one that actually is shared both in our Bible, also the Quran, and clearly it's shared in Jewish culture as well, mm -hmm. um, so these, th there's three major religions right there who all recognize this story. Now, in the Quran, it does not mention that it was Isaac. 
it mentions a son. Mm. Uh, the, the population, from what I understand, and I don't know as much about Islam, I'm very fascinated to find out more just so that I'd be able to have a better conversation should I ever be approached. Well, if you want a, a, an in, it's, if you get on that topic, it's very fascinating. They do believe in Jesus being born of a virgin. Mm-hmm. So it's quite fascinating. Yeah, uh, they do not believe that he even died on the cross. You, you, you would suspect that most religions don't believe that Jesus rose again. They don't even believe that he died on the cross, and they believe him to be a prophet. And so, just some right. interesting points if you do ever find yourself in a conversation. Um, it doesn't hurt anybody for us to even get on an apologetics website to read a Lee Strobel, who's an incredible author and kind of gives you, Oh gosh, the wrong word is ammo, but you know, stuff to poke, to, to put in your, your theological backpack, if you will. Yeah. So you can take it into a conversation, not so that you can let, yeah, beat you at your own game, you know, no, no. So you can converse with people and share with them the truth and the light and the hope that comes through a relationship through G- with Jesus Christ. And, uh, this story of Abraham so hugely symbolizes Jesus. It's just unbelievable. So trek with me for a minute. Abraham is the one who has the relationship with God that God says, I'm going to make this giant nation from your people. And he doesn't have a kid for forever until he's like 100. Then he has Isaac. In fact, he even tries something out of line with what God would have for him. He is with his wife's servant, and they have a son. He fathers a son with his wife's servant, Hagar, Ishmael. That doesn't go well, by the way. She's like, oh, be with Hagar, and I will birth the child. Like, I'll put the mommy right here on my lap, and it'll be like it's my baby. That never works out, by the way. That's Mm -hmm. never going to work out. Mm -hmm. And there's this giant struggle. They finally have Isaac, gets to a place where they even, Sarah's like, who's Abraham's wife, Sarah says, you got to get Ishmael out of camp. I can't handle this anymore. She was upset with Ishmael and Hagar. This was not a good idea. And so Abraham packs them up. So it's now just Isaac. And all of his hope is kind of put into this one kid. And I think God saw that and he wanted to test his kid. He didn't tempt his kid. He tested his kid. And he says, I want you to take your son Isaac to mountain range known as Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him there and you read that and especially Carter you're a dad now what would be going through your mind chaos yeah panic fear I didn't hear that no without a doubt Abraham knew that he knew that he knew up until this point he had so many encounters with God Mm -hmm. and everything that he had said would happen did come to pass he knew that this was God's voice And this is what he was to do. And so we don't hear about any of his inner struggle because I would imagine there would have been one. Absolutely. Yeah. We only hear about his obedience. So the storytellers left out the inner turmoil part if that was a big deal. Um, But the next day he packs up what he needs to for sacrifice. He takes his son, has the wood, has the knife, has the makings for a fire, brings two servants along. They get to the, the, the point where he needs to let the servants stand back and says, all right, guys, you stay here. We will both come back later after the sacrifice. So right there, he's speaking faith into it. Somehow this is going to, it's going to be okay. Somehow. Maybe he's just saying that because he doesn't want anybody running off after them to try to keep him from doing what he, God's going to do. But I choose to believe it's 
Abraham is having faith in this moment. And so they get to the top of the mountain and he had strapped the wood to Isaac's back um, so he could carry it up. You know, Abraham's a hundred years old. Might as well make the young and load it up the hill. <laughs> right. And he's got the knife and he's got the fire. And on the way there uh, to that point on the mountain range, Isaac is like, where's the sacrifice, dad? We've got everything we need. Where's the lamb? And Abraham's words are, God will provide the lamb. And that right there, just think about that in regards to Jesus. Mm. So they get to the top of the mountain. He lays the wood down on the altar. He lays his son down after binding him and lifts the knife ready to go. And it's just before he thrusts it into his one and only son that God says, stop. Angel of the Lord's like, Abraham, I know now that you love me and there is no other above me in your life. And then over in this bush, it's called a thicket. I have never in my life called a bush a thicket before. <laughs> but there's this ram and his horns are caught in the, the bush. And it's a bad day for the ram. It's a really good day, though, for Abraham and Isaac. And they sacrifice the ram together. And the, the symbolism, again, the wood on the back of his son, the cross on the back of God's son going up this mountain range that they believe is the place where Jerusalem, old Jerusalem would be, which if you might remember outside the city of Jerusalem is where Calvary is. This would have been the same area wow. where Jesus was crucified. So you do not have to sacrifice your one and only son. It says, I have provided the lamb. You think about that. And the folks who read the Quran do not have that story. Mm. The folks who believe in our God, our one true God, Jehovah Jireh, which is what Abraham names God in that moment because he is our provider. The Jewish folks still do not believe that the fulfillment of the messianic prophecy, that Jesus the Messiah would come, they don't think it's a thing yet. Jesus wasn't Messiah. So they don't even understand the connection to the symbolism of what Jesus did for us, not in the way that you and I do. Mm. And that's not like a condescending type of thing. That's something that we can reveal with excitement. It's like, look at the parallels of this story. And it was written thousands of years apart. There's how could Abraham have known that this would foreshadow? No, it was a prophetic type of moment. Yeah. And it's so impactful. And I was sharing this story, which, you know, you may know it so well, too, but it's so good to be reminded, refreshed when you read through these stories. I was sharing it with my 11-year-old, and he was like, wow, that's the best part. Yeah, that is the best part. We always get freaked out by the first part of the story, but the main part of the story is to remind us, you are not the one who gets the final say. You're not the one who has to who had to make the sacrifice. I did that. Don't try to do things in your own strength. Know that I have won the battle. Do you have the faith? Do you have the faith? So that's what I've been kind of going over. And that's great. 
into his kids and so on and so forth. There's so much meat in the book of Genesis. And there's also a lot of stuff that you just kind of want to glaze over because you never want to remember it in the middle of sleeping because nightmares will happen. Nightma- yeah. <laughs> it's, you want some good stories, some juicy stories. You mean, you read Woo! through Judges in the Old Testament? Oh, my no. goodness. Wow. Oh, my word. That's Hollywood. If they ever need a good, oh, what could we do? What would be real scary for our next horror um, I think Saw was inspired by some of Judges. I'm not even kidding. Kidding. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm not kidding either. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, read it for yourself if you don't believe me. Uh, what translation did you read that in, Rochelle? What's your go-to, go-to translation? I I like reading out of something called the Learning Bible. Okay. And I have gone back and forth. There's also the, um, gosh, I had to remember it with n- mnemonic because I Google it on my phone sometimes, uh, the New American Standard Bible. Standard Bible. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Uh, because I, I specifically, I was looking up what would be the most legit translation in terms of like from Hebrew, Greek and all of that. How, how would that translate into English? Yeah. And so it's not a bad idea. Also there's, there are Bibles out there that give you multiple translations side by side just so that you can try to grasp. It's like, okay, so Lord, what do you want to show me? Even if you're like, I don't know if I can read 17 versions in one day. Having those verses side by side, even just reading one verse and saying, Lord, what would you show me in this verse today? It would be yeah, that's phenomenal. A, a very true. That's a that's a good strategy to have. And uh, a paraphrase like the message is is great because it kind of puts it in, in modern day plain English. But it, it's a paraphrase. It's not a, a, a true translation. Sure. And so what these guys do... Uh, will they they try to m- capture it as best they can with knowing everything they know? Yes, the it's, context. It's yes. almost like uh, reading an email of somebody that you know replies fine, and but you know that person in real life, and they probably said it like, "Oh, it's fine. No, no worries." Yeah. And you could yeah. you could read into it and and think, "Oh, they were angry when they said this." But you try to translate it literally with what they say, which is not like a cliff notes situation. You know, a cliff notes situation just gives you the gist of something. This one is very de- I mean, these translators they work very detailed. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. That's why I I want to come to you and and I I honestly don't even remember when it was last year, but it was a podcast last year, an episode that we did where I was talking about the Passion Translation, and that is what it's called. It's called the Passion Translation, and I just want to tell you I have come to know a little bit more about it, and I just want to give you a little bit of what I have have come to know about it. Um, that there's there's kind of a, a standard, you know, how there's um, a, there's a way people do things with the ESV, the NIV, all these things. It was many, many teams working on this, peer review, checking each other's work. I have a history degree, so do you. Let's work together on it. Well, the Passion Translation, lo and behold, was written by one guy that didn't get it peer-reviewed, most of it's like pretty accurate. It's a modern day, like, uh, you know, honestly, it is a paraphrase, even though they consider the word translation. And so I just want to pass along to you. I've come to know more that there are some instances in the Passion Translation that just don't really line up with what the original text would have said. And I only want to bring this up just so that you know, especially because I talked about it last year. I love the way that it's worded in some of the way. But the, the way that I, I kind of liken it is if you want to watch the news, if you want to watch, let's say, maybe C-SPAN is actually the perfect example. You're going to watch C-SPAN because you want to know exactly what are the people on Capitol Hill saying, what are they passing, all of that. 
And you could watch C-SPAN or you could watch MSNBC or Fox News and you get two other completely, you get commentators, quite frankly. I mean, every channel, every cable news network has commentators and they kind of put their opinion into it. They kind of they tell you, expound. They expound and tell you how to feel. Okay. And that's a little bit of what the Passion Translation does. They It kind of interprets it for you. Which is true for a lot of devotional tools, not not the Bible. All devotionals are somebody's commentary. Well, but <laughs> yeah. that, there you go. So it's like, I love Oswald Chambers. Um, the, I, Charles Spurgeon is another one that you come to my C.S. Lewis is a famous author. You know, these amazing guys who, who give you their insights that the Holy Spirit has given to them. Uh, but you should always take those with a, <laughs> a grain of salt. <laughs> it, it's know. so true because... Um, they somebody's going to be by they might be dead on in one category or sure. even 65 books of the Bible. But there's going to be something that they don't get quite right. And I've listened to specific scholars review the Passion Translation and go, this don't make sense. Not right here. Mm. The rest of the book did. You know, the Ephesians guy said, OK, he's saying that he's going off of the Aramaic, Aramaic language, which is what Jesus spoke. But but the original thing that it was written in was Greek. Yeah. And, and there's all sorts of, if you're not into that, it may get super complicated. I just want you to know, to be aware, and and there are even some parts you might, you know, do an actual translation, and then you see, well, let's see how the Passion uh, Translation says it. And if it's close enough, and you like the way it says it, then cool. But I, I just want people to be aware of that. And to know what I've been kind of inspired by with that and this week is in Mark, Jesus talks about this is Mark 12, 38. They're talking about the scribes, the Pharisees. He brings the disciples over. He said, as he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. And so he's just, he's saying that a lot of these guys are doing it for, for, show. for show is a good way to say it. Yeah. And there, you know, I don't want to be conspiracy theorist or freak you out of if it's your pastor or somebody you watch or something like that, because there are so many incredible, dedicated pastors. Um, and I, I heard a teaching on this about with the flowing robes. That's how people knew you wouldn't know a Pharisee's face necessarily, a scribe's face. You would know them by how they dressed. And then it can kind of get to their head and then they're walking around and they're, yes, I'm the scribe. And, and Jesus says in another part, they've gotten all their reward when they when they give and they wail and they pray in public. They, they, they've got already gotten their reward. And and so this is what says to me with bringing up the translation, the passion translation, bringing up this verse, understanding that um, pastors, leaders, uh, we uh, us us right here, we're not always going to get it right. Clearly uh, telling you about the passion translation last year, I didn't get it right. Um, that is why you got to make your faith your own. And we all do. Because if if you, obviously the extreme case, maybe you've heard somebody say, well, my parents went to church and I've just always gone to church. So yeah, I'm a Christian. Mm, well, you know, or my, my pastor says this or, or does that. Are we living through other people? And, and even, even if it is a, an awesome person, an awesome man or woman of God, that's still not what Jesus teaches. He wants a relationship with you. 
He doesn't want us to just take people's word for it. He, we can certainly be encouraged, and that's why we do this podcast. We want to encourage you in what we're going through. It may spark something for you. But whatever we say, I mean, look it up yourself and and check out the story, what it says in the Bible, and study and and pray and know that you have the opportunity to talk to the creator of the universe on any given day. Yeah, because we're talking about our own quiet times, like Carter and I always kind of preface it. All right, this is our quiet time stuff. Mm-hmm. What we're going through. By no means are we uh, licensed in any way to to counsel, or I mean, we don't have a degree in terms of teaching anything at Cambridge. We can't go up in front of a group of people and say, "I have a list of certificates that go from here to there." Uh, no, right. this is just this is something that we're discovering and uh, always learning. Always, and it can be super fascinating. It's just this morning, I was kind of making fun of myself. How lazy I am Googling up Bible facts. Can you imagine the people back in the day that were still uncovering the contextual significance of what they were reading from the authors that were writing down things in Greek? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, what was Luke saying when he was, because Luke was the guy who wrote the book of Acts. He was also the guy who wrote Luke. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. That guy. He was an associate of Paul, the apostle, another guy who wrote a bunch of New Testament. Um, But like discovering what this was and and then coming up with the maps from those ancient times so that they could bring meaning to 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 other people and write books clear hundreds of years ago and writing these things to give us context so that one day I could sit here on a big overstuffed leather chair and Google it and go, huh? When yeah. Joseph went to go meet his brothers, he <laughs> walked 63 miles. Interesting. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's readily available. It's not to lay a guilt trip on on any of us because that's not of God. But it's for us to go, wow, others have gone before. They've done a lot of work in making it easier for us to study and show ourselves approved. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So Carter's saying, yeah, make sure that it's not just our word. Well, and I guess I'll liken it to this. Um, we we were having some fun with, I know somebody that if I, Rochelle, how would you describe this? If I if I mm-hmm. <clears throat> said this, or if I did this, you, you did something I didn't really like, and I said, how would you de- <laughs> how would you describe that? Pass, passive aggressive? Passive aggressive, but it would be more of like a frustrated Type of thing, correct? You're frustrated with okay. me, but the the, the little uh, that that was passive aggressive. That's, that's you weren't fine. outright, but, but smacking me. Here's my point: I have somebody in my life that secondhand. So if you didn't hear me do that, you heard the person that I know that I'm thinking about right now. Okay, repeat that what I just did. They they would tell you this: Carter was fuming. <laughs> he was so furious. And it's like, that's why we got to be careful. You must be slow to speak. Let's be not gossip and all that. And so I, I think that's the point with, you know, the translation, with your faith, with not t- not even taking your pastor's word for it. And I know many pastors would back that up. Yeah, don't take my word for it. Get into the Bible yourself. And, um, they, they, they just want you to know what was truly said. Let's get, let's get in my frustrated size, the example, don't you want to know exactly what happened? Don't you want an eyewitness account or as close to it as you can get instead of hearing it from somebody that heard it from somebody that heard it from somebody. That's why we have a direct source that we can go to like the Bible. I was thinking about a poem I read the other day by Robert Frost. It would be like putting into a couple of words, paraphrasing what you read from a poem, uh, his poetry about 
a day of snow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it snowed and it was good. <laughs> hey, it was snowing. Yeah. And there was a crow there. <laughs> so, or I could read the poem for myself and try to uncover the emotion of it. What happened? Why would he use that imagery? I mean, just, there are mm. so many avenues to explore with poetry. Mm-hmm. So much of the Bible was written as poetry. Um, yeah. That's unbelievable. I never even realized until uh, kind of trying to unpack the creation story that there are poems. The very first poem of the Bible is in the first couple of chapters in Genesis. It's filled with poetry. And so mm. as difficult as you know your Shakespeare class was back in high school, how much, <laughs> how much more difficult... The historical document, the documents from the beginning of time to present, or not to present, but to 2,000 years ago at least. Right, right. But it's still relevant and relatable to your life today at present. Um, Isn't that crazy? There's a lot to unpack there, but not to overwhelm you because not everybody got into Shakespeare. There is something there for everybody to start out with and then sink your teeth into a little bit. It's it's like baby food. You start out with a little bit of applesauce, and then the more you start realizing steak is in there. I'm oh, yeah, baby. Steak. Oh, yeah, baby. You know what I mean? Give me some of that steak. Steak. Oh, man. Well, this uh, podcast, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, is uh, presented by Compassion International, and Hope Notes is something that we get a chance to do and absolutely love telling you about the real people the real children and families that are impacted by your gift of $38 a month. You can sponsor a child. Of course, you can sponsor more than one child, but if you want to start small, kind of like Rochelle said with applesauce, maybe it's one child in a country even that you're passionate about at $38 a month. There's a little boy named IUL. He lives in Ethiopia. He's 12 years old, and he doesn't have friends. At least he didn't when Compassion International uh, just had first met him and mm. his mother, obviously. I mean, as a parent, can't you relate to that? You want the best for your kids. Mm. Perhaps your own child has struggled with making friends, or you remember being that kid that nobody talked to. And IUL, um, he couldn't walk, and he still can't. But listen to what happened when Compassion International helped love on this little guy. He was taken to the hospital. He got a proper diagnosis and a wheelchair. He has epilepsy, so now they have a handle on what's going on in his life, and they they now know how to deal with it better. I have an uncle with epilepsy, and that, that is an ongoing situation for a, a person. It's, it's not like there's a, quote, cure, per se. Yeah. But they now know what's going on so that she can, as a mother, help deal with IUL uh, and help him know what to do after an event or such but he was 12 years old when he finally received his wheelchair and i have an 11 year old son and i cannot fathom that little guy not having a single friend until the age of 12. Mm. um they were able to make his house wheelchair accessible with a ramp they were able to kind of clear a path so he could actually go to school he'd never been able to go to school before i'm thrilled that it was compassion that was able to introduce these types of things for this little guy. He'd hear the children on their way to school outside his home on a daily basis for 12 years, and now he can join them for the first time. One thing that I was enamored with, this thought that you just don't think, you, it's not like you you openly think that having dreams is only an American thing, yeah. having goals and dreams, but uh, we kind of, I, I don't think about other countries though when that thought comes to mind, 
And when I was in Kenya with Compassion early this year before the pandemic, man, it was a great trip. Understanding that goals and dreams and helping those kids achieve that is such a big part because it's, again, it's not just Americans that dream. And so you think about where IUL is gonna go, but the dream starts small with just being able to be around kids his own age. And who knows where this goes from here, what he's able to do. Uh, So many compassion kids we hear about end up starting something that helps younger kids because Mm -hmm. they were there once. And you're, you're starting this incredible cycle of people inspired by Jesus with getting involved at $38 a month. Yeah, can't really put a price tag on it, can you? I mean, mm. when you put the $38 in there, you're like, oh man, I'm already past that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Already past it. But uh, if you'd like to find out more, certainly be in prayer for the organization. Uh, Compassion International details at HopeOnDemand.com. Yeah, Hope On Demand, of course, what this podcast lives through. Definitely check out Compassion. Uh, but so many incredible resources there, videos from your some of your favorite Christian artists. There's a, a daily Bible. There is uh, blogs. But in anything you read, What have we learned? Make sure to look it up yourself in your own Bible. (laughs) Look it up. And if you Google it, make sure it's a legit website.